When we're attacked, our natural reaction is to run for cover. You see a bully at school, you stay away. You get challenged on social media, you go silent. You hear gunshot fire, you duck and hide. You understand this. The early church did quite the opposite. When they were opposed, they stood their ground. When they were told not to speak, they kept on speaking. When they were persecuted, they kept going. We learn from them an important lesson. The church thrives when it is persecuted. This is part of our series, Unstuck, how the early church changed the world. We're trying to learn from them how we can change the world. Uh, Turn to Acts chapter 5. If you have your Bible, if you want to use one of ours under the seats, it's on page 1095. The early church grew rapidly, but it faced persecution. Uh, The first wave of persecution came when Peter and John healed a lame man. The Jewish authorities put them in prison and told them to speak no more about Jesus. But Peter and John kept speaking, and the church kept growing. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So the miracles brought about two opposite results. Some did not dare to join them. They saw them but stayed aloof. Others believed and joined the church. Miracles were alarming to some but appealing to others, but no one could ignore them. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and ma- on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Now, this is not magic. This is like the woman who was healed by Jesus who said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. People hoped, but by, by, just by getting near Peter, they could be healed. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Now, Luke makes a distinction between people that are physically sick and people that have impure spirits. We like to throw them all together and say, ah, you know, when the, when the uh, New Testament talks about evil spirits, you know, they're just talking about schizophrenia and you know, epilepsy and seizures. Luke says, no, there are people that have physical sickness, there are people that have mental illness, and there are people that are afflicted by demons or demon-possessed. Now Luke tells us about a second wave of persecution. The Jewish leaders were angered at the failure of their first attempt to top the church, stop the church. Uh, They were upset that the disciples ignored their command to no longer speak about Jesus. Uh, We're facing opposition and persecution today in our country and around the world. 
Does it frighten us and scare us off? Or does it embolden us like the early church? Here's what we found through history. The church thrives when it is persecuted. It sounds counterintuitive. You can face persecution in high school, at the university, where you work, among your family members, or from your friends and neighbors. Why does the church thrive when it is persecuted? How can we reach people and change the world even though we're opposed? I find three ways. First, recognize that persecution of Christians is real. Don't stick your head in the sand and say it's not real, but rejoice for the opportunity to participate in it. I want to show you that persecution has happened down through history, and it's still happening today. Let's start with the early church. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They were jealous that some Jewish people were becoming followers of Christ. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. They thought, well, this will put an end to the problem. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life, new life in Jesus. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Uh, Annas, the high priest, doesn't want to use Jesus' name. In this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now let's fast forward to the end of the story. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They put the early believers in prison, beat them, and told them not to talk about Jesus. They also made it nearly impossible for early believers to keep their jobs or to get new jobs and feed their families. They persecuted the early Christians. 
Christians have been persecuted down through history. They've been put in prison, beaten, had their scriptures confiscated, their homes taken, their churches burned, their citizenship taken away, and many have been put to death. So let's look at some of the um, persecutors in chief. Nero, Emperor Nero, 54 to 68, he was famous for uh, throwing Christians to the lions and burning people at the stake. Emperor Domitian, from 81 to 96, lots of persecution during those 15 years. Uh, Emperor Marcus Aurelius, some of the worst persecution in history. Emperor Decius, he only served a couple years, but did a lot of damage. Emperor Diocletian, uh, church historian uh, <clears throat> Tertullian said, the more you mow us down, the more we grow. The seed is the blood of Christians. Uh, we see plenty of uh, persecution today in Marxist, Hindu, and Muslim countries. 309 million Christians worldwide experience very high to extreme persecution. So every year uh, they publish a top 10 list, countries that uh, have the most uh, persecution. This would mean, you know, coming in and taking people's houses, uh, putting them in jail, beating them, putting them to death, taking away their citizenship, you know, all those things. <clears throat> so last year, North Korea ranked number one. Afghanistan, number two. If we can get good information this year, my guess is Afghanistan will be number one next year. Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, and India. China ranks in the top 20. China is known for surveillance and censorship, a systematic campaign to destroy churches. Most of the churches in China are underground. That means they, they meet in homes, in secret uh, buildings. But sometimes when they felt like, you know, it's not so bad, uh, and they come above ground and, and meet in public places, China has uh, destroyed those churches. Chinese Christians tell us they've had to hide in walls because government officials are coming. Some have had to run from gunshots. Muslim Christians tell us that they are persecuted not just by the government, but by their families. Many Muslims who have become Christians have been disowned by their families. They give up everything for Christ. Newsweek told us, the persecution and genocide of Christians across the world is worse than any time in history. Christian countries where they've had to give up so much to become followers of Christ laugh when they hear how we do church in the United States. Just imagine Paul and Peter talking like we do today. Hey, Peter, where do you go to church now? I go to the river. I love their music program and their children's ministry. Hey, cool. Do you mind if I join you sometime? I'm not getting much out of my church. Totally. Uh, can I join you next week? Well, not next week because I won't be there because of little Matthew's soccer. But how about the week after that? Sounds good. 
Do they have a singles group? I mean, it sounds comical to hear people talking like that when people are being put to death for their faith in Christ. 23 Christian leaders were killed by the cartels, Mexican cartels in 2019 for standing up for their, to their activities. If we can get good information this year, my guess is that number will be high, much higher next year. You say, thank goodness we don't face persecution here. Don't be so sure. At U.S. college campuses, outspoken Christians are regularly demeaned, debased, and targeted for their beliefs. Academics and social groups ridicule Christians. I think attempts in some states to outlaw homeschooling is disproportionately targeted against Christians. Persecution isn't as far away from us as we think. Notice how the early believers responded uh, to persecution. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The religious establishment didn't know what to do. They punished the early Christians, but the Christians rejoiced. They say, what are we going to do with these people? We beat them. We tell them not to speak about Jesus. We put them in prison, and they get happier. They were persecuted, but they were unafraid. They rejoiced for the privilege of suffering like Christ. If you face opposition for your faith in your family or at your work or school, don't be afraid. The early believers rejoiced for they called it a privilege to suffer for Christ. Second, keep speaking about Jesus when the government demands that you be silent. The Jewish religious uh, leaders told the early believers to not speak about Jesus. But they kept talking about Jesus. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So they set down uh, the basis for civil disobedience. If you tell us not to speak about Jesus, we say, we're sorry, we can't obey. If you, can't, if you tell us we can't uh, meet as Christians, we say sorry. Then Peter said, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus was the event that started the church, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. They refused to be silenced. They continued to speak about Jesus. Uh, we need to learn from their example. I think many of us are afraid to speak about our faith. We're intimidated by our culture that says, you're not supposed to talk about faith. Jim Putnam says, when people who do not go to church are asked why they don't go to church, most say they don't because 
They have not been asked. So we're not just intimidated from talking about Jesus. We're intimidated from inviting people to join us in church. The health of democracy is measured by the percentage of people who feel free to say and write what they want in public. I think we've lost this. We're afraid to say what we believe about Jesus and other things for fear that we'll lose our job or our friends or our family. We shy away from talking about Jesus due to social media, the government, and cancel culture. So we stay silent. The purpose of our church is to inspire people to follow Jesus. We can't inspire people if we stay silent. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you've been to church for years. Don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. Share about answers to prayer in your life. Talk about what Jesus means to you. People will be more interested than you think. Don't be afraid. The early church did not appear to have fear. When they were told to not speak about Jesus, they ignored the threats. And not just some of them, all of them. One of the things that has been so clear in this series is that the reason the early church grew so rapidly is because all believers saw that they could make disciples. They could make a difference. It wasn't just Peter and John. It was all believers. And that's why many churches are growing rapidly today. They're not intimidated by the threats of government leaders. Francis Chan, in a book uh, he published uh, three years ago, tells about some of the growth in the church in the world today. In East Asia, in 2000, 360 churches were planted, 10,000 were baptized. That means 10,000 became new Christians. In China, 2002, in Qing'an, 15,000 new churches, 160,000 new believers. In Kazakhstan, 2004, 300 new churches begun, 13,000 new believers. In India, in Madhya Pradesh, 4,000 new churches, 8,000 new believers. In Outer Mongolia, 10,000 new believers. And Inner Mongolia, 50,000 new believers. It appears that churches grow more rapidly in places where there is more persecution. Where there's more at stake. Third, remain confident that the gospel of Jesus Christ will prevail. Jesus Christ will prevail because he is the truth. He really is the all-powerful son of God. He really was raised from the dead. When Peter told the Jewish religious leaders that Jesus was raised from the dead and they were going to continue to talk about him, the leaders were so angry they wanted to put them to death. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, the teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people. By the way, Gamaliel was the Apostle Paul's mentor before Apostle Paul converted to Christianity. He stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend 
to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. He said, if Jesus is from God, you can't stop him. And that's exactly what we believe. We believe Jesus is from God. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe Jesus was raised from the dead. We believe Jesus is the way to be restored to a relationship with God. We believe he will prevail over all evil in the world. We must never lose this confidence. There are people who ridicule you. You may be one of them. You may make no claim to faith. You may laugh at people who believe in Jesus and feel like they're, they're silly. But we must not give up telling people about Jesus. Just because people say belief in Jesus is stupid doesn't mean it isn't true. And the very thing that people need. Think of all the great ideas that have been shot down by skeptical minds. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. That was Western Union's response to Bell Telephone. The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. This was a Yale professor in response to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service. Smith went on to found Federal Express. We don't tell you how to coach, so don't tell us how to make shoes. A large sporting shoe manufacturer to Bill Bowerman, inventor of the waffle shoe and co-founder of Nike. We went to Atari and Hewlett-Packard with this amazing thing. And they said, we don't need you. You haven't even got through college yet. This is the response Steve Jobs got, who founded Apple. We don't like the sound of, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. This is Decca recording rejecting the Beatles in 1962. What's all this computer nonsense you're trying to bring into medicine? I want nothing to do with them, a medical professor in England, to Dr. John Alfred Powell about the CT scanner. That is good sport, but for the military, the airplane is useless. That was Ferdinand Folk, commander-in-chief of the Allied forces in the Western Front, World War I. The television will never achieve popularity. It takes place in a semi-darkened room and demands continuous attention. A Harvard professor, Chester Dawes, in 1940. Great ideas have been 
criticized all through history. We must never lose our confidence that Jesus Christ will prevail in this world. He is the Son of God. He was raised from the dead. He is the way to a restored relationship with God. We must not give up. The church thrives when it is persecuted. If you're spiritually curious and have never invited Jesus into your life, you can do so today as we pray. Father, we thank you for these accounts that we read about the early believers. They were persecuted. They were put in prison, beaten, and told not to talk about Jesus, but it didn't stop them. And more and more people became followers of Christ, and the church grew. And we want to do the same thing today. We want to make a difference in Portland and around this state. So I want to invite you to pray right now. Tell God you'd like to be more bold this, this week. Talk naturally about answers to prayer in your life and what Jesus is doing for you. Uh, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to invite people to join you in church. If you've never given your life to Christ, ask him to forgive your sins, you can invite him in right now. You pray. Our great God, we thank you that we can believe that you will prevail. We see so much evil in this world and it causes us to be afraid. But you are the truth. And so we put our confidence in you. In Jesus' name we pray.